With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to another edition of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. By now, you know the drill. I'm your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. little quick video this one, just looking at what is now the end of the West Indies Women's World T20 World Cup campaign. If I had told you prior to the start of this tournament that the West Indies women would beat Ireland and beat Pakistan, but lose comprehensively to England and relatively comfortably to India. Would you have taken that? Would you have taken that and would you have accepted that as par? Would you have acknowledged the fact that England are the ranked the second best side in, in, in women's cricket, India are ranked fourth, West Indies are ranked sixth, Pakistan are ranked seventh and Ireland are ranked 10th. Whether you agree with ICC rankings or not, those are the rankings. Now, based on those rankings, would you have accepted before the tournament started that we'd beat Ireland and Pakistan and lose to England and India? I would hazard or venture to say that every rational West Indian fan would have accepted that. If you have any kind of vested interest in in the West Indies women's game, I think you would have accepted that as par for the course based on the state of play with the West Indies women's team and based on the state of play with regards to their development and actually based on the state of play with regards to the fact that this is a side in huge transition that has to or is trying to oversee the the shift from a golden generation of players the, obviously the 2016 winning team who played to an absolute peak to now we're looking beyond that. Well, in fact, we're well beyond that now, but a team that had to, was or reluctantly had to say goodbye to Deandra Dottin earlier in uh, sorry, last year because she retired reluctantly 
had to accept that Anissa Mohamed wanted a six-month sabbatical from the side, has reluctantly had to accept that Stefani Taylor is plagued by injuries. Just taking those last three things there, with all of that as a context, would you have accepted West Indies women beating Ireland and Pakistan, however badly, and losing to England and India? And I think the answer has to be yes. However, does that mean that they had a good World Cup? Well, that's open for debate. And what I would say is anybody watching this, get at me in the comments below. Do you think they had a good World Cup? And you might say the answer to that is no. But then make sure before you respond, do you think they had a bad World Cup? Because I think the answer to that should be no as well. However, for me personally, I've identified kind of four, maybe four or five key talking points that I think all West Indian cricket fans who have a vested interest in women's cricket will have to bear in mind. Point number one, and probably the most obvious point. Prior to this World Cup, we knew that this team was essentially Hayley Matthews or bust. We knew that, right? We knew that if Hayley could perform really well, chances are West Indies would win games. When we beat Ireland, which was our third game, when we, we, I mean, we were still hanging on in the tournament by, by like a tiny thread, but we knew we were out essentially, right? When we beat Ireland, we had to chase 138 runs to win in 20 overs. Hayley Matthews top scored with 66 not out from 53 balls to basically see us through. She batted through from the top of the innings to see us through to a victory. When we beat Pakistan in our last group game, we had to defend 116 runs to win the match. Hayley Matthews bowled four overs, two for 14, one maiden, and was our best bowler, as well as taking a fantastic catch in the match as well, as we defended 116 and restricted the Pakistanis to 113. The point being that prior to this tournament, we knew that it was Hayley Matthews or bust. Hayley Matthews, I'm not saying Hayley Matthews won us the games versus Pakistan and Ireland. Of course, there were some other contributors. For example, in the Ireland game, Chanel Henry made 30-odd, a quick-fire 30-odd, right? But this tournament just confirmed what we already knew. We are effectively a one-person team or a one-woman team with regards to the West Indies women's side. If Hayley does well, we've got an outside chance that we're going to win some matches. So nothing really changed in that regard. Point two, going into the tournament, statistically speaking out of the established four member nations, West Indies are seen as one of the worst sides with the bat in the last five overs. Nothing really changed in that regard as well. I know some of you will say, yeah, but we beat, we beat Ireland. We chased down the total. We chased down the 138 we needed, and that that came about by how well we did in the last five overs against Ireland. I hear that, but we also have to acknowledge that Ireland helped us. Ireland should have won that match comfortably. Ireland collapsed with the bat and then dropped several catches when we came out to bat. There wasn't enough in this tournament for me to feel like we've progressed in terms of how we bat the last five overs in any one match. In fact, uh, let me see... Let me see if I can give you, I might not be able to people, let me just see if I can quickly break down some statistics for you just to kind of show you what I mean by this. Uh, let's see, it should be here. So in the game against England, in the last five overs, 
West Indies added. Make sure I'm not doing yeah. The West Indies team added. 29 runs in the last five overs against England, right? So just keep a, keep a tally of this. I'm just going through the various games to identify just how poorly we did in the last five overs. Against India, the West Indies team added in the last five overs. Sorry, just working this out for you. 30 runs. So 29 versus England. 30 versus India. Ireland was our best one. And then versus Pakistan in our final game of the tournament. Sorry, people, I'm trying to find all of these at the same time. Should probably have had these all up to show you. And then versus Pakistan in the final game of the tournament, we added 21 runs. Okay. Now, what I'm saying is, is statistically, you're bad in the final last five overs. We had, we did 29 in the final five versus England, 30 in the final five versus India, and nine, was it 19? Let me just double check that. Not 19. 21 in the final five versus Pakistan. Again, my point being, we knew this was a weakness before the tournament. Did we see anything to really change our mind on that still being a weakness in the tournament? No. Also, before the tournament, we knew that one of the biggest weaknesses for the West Indies women's team was their ability to put all facets of the game together to work well in conjunction throughout a game. So play well with the bat, play well with the ball. I don't think we did that at any point in the tournament. Yes, some of you will say it, but Mash, what do you mean? How could we have beaten Ireland and Pakistan if we didn't play well with bat and ball? Against Ireland, I thought we were poor with the ball. I thought we were poor. Some might say we dragged it back. That I thought that was Ireland batting poorly. So against Ireland, I thought we were poor, poor overall with the ball. Against Pakistan, I thought we were poor overall with the bat. Against England, we were poor with the ball. Against India, we were poor with the bat. We knew before the tournament that this West Indies women's side struggle to put all facets of the game together cohesively to win matches. I'm not convinced we saw that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Before the tournament, people like myself wondered and worried about what is the best West Indies side. This team has been in camps now for the best part of a year and a half. Successive camps, series versus Pakistan, series versus South Africa, series versus England, series versus um, India, series versus New Zealand, and so on and so forth. Going into the tournament, I expressed grave reservations about what I felt was no no further in our development or understanding of what the best 11 is for the West Indies women's side. Nothing evokes this more for me than the following player, Rashada Williams. 
In game one versus England, Rashad didn't even bat. In game two versus India, Rashad batted at number eight. In game three and four versus Ireland and Pakistan, respectively, Rashada opened the innings. Before the tournament, we didn't know what our best 11 was and in what batting order. We've left this tournament still not knowing what our best 11 is. And yes, some of you might say, oh, but Mash, we couldn't have known that Stefani Taylor, well, we could have, we couldn't have known that Stefani Taylor would pull up with her back injury and uh, the injury would reoccur and it, it meant that we had to change things around and so on and so forth. We knew it was a risk playing Stefani from the beginning. But the point is we still didn't know coming into this tournament what our best 11 is. We leave this tournament still not knowing what our best 11 is. And all of that, when you add all of that together, that's just four kind of key points I've, I've kind of raised there. When you add all of that together and we come out of this tournament and we exit this tournament and everybody goes back home, it just poses the following question. Have we left this tournament any further along in our understanding and or development of where we're at as a side? I would actually argue, no, I don't think we're any further ahead. Yes, we've introduced a couple youngsters, Trishan Holder, Zaida James, and they've got maybe some exposure and experience of playing at the top level. But has this tournament been beneficial for us in terms of taking our game further forward? I'm going to be slightly controversial here and say no. And let me explain why. We should have lost to Ireland and we should have lost to Pakistan. And I know some people would argue, but Mash, we didn't. So your point's irrelevant. But the, if you watch those two matches carefully, we should have lost to Ireland. We should have lost to Pakistan. And here is my concern going forward for the West Indies women's team. Teams are catching up to us. And unless something drastic happens in our developmental systems across the territories and then coaching across the territories and coaching even at the international stage when Courtney gets them, unless something dramatic happens, unless we suddenly unearth some great generational talents, I would venture and argue that the teams we beat in this tournament will pass us. Some will say that Pakistan have already passed us. I think that's open for debate. But I would venture to say that if we continue on our current trajectory, some of those teams, those teams we beat in the tournament are going to pass us in their development, de developmental trajectory sooner rather than later. On the surface, things look like it's par. One, two, lost two against both the expected sides that we expected to win against and lose against. But arguably, I don't think the signs are good with regards to our with with regards to furthering our development all of the ladies travel back home now and here is the last thing i pose to everybody who claims to be a west indies women's side can you say to me right now and put it in the comments if you think you can dependent on what island you are nation you are from whether you're actually back home in the Caribbean or if you're somebody who has a proper vested interest in cricket within your respective nation back home. Tell me right now, what is your territorial cricket board or ministry of sport in your country doing for girls and women's cricket? Tell me right now. Don't worry, I'll wait. And if you're pausing and you can't immediately tell me what they're doing off the top of your head, therein lies the problem. If we can't put, if we, like we already know there's an issue with boys and men's cricket. So imagine what the issue then is for girls and women's cricket. 
if the territories cannot be trusted to help the developmental structures and find a pool of players within their particular nation and try to develop them, Cricket West Indies do not have a hope in hell in terms of advancing the future development of the West Indies women's side. It's this generational bust as things stand right now. The, 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 the trials for the Cricket West Indies Academy will be taking uh, women's academy will be taking place shortly uh, in the next few months, within the next few months, I should say. That is an attempted structure to bridge the divide where the territories are letting us down. But that's like trying to plug the holes in a sinking ship. It'll do bits and it'll help those players that are chosen, but we still have a major issue at the grassroots. So to conclude, was the tournament a bad one? No. Was it about par for the course? Yes. Should we be worried about the future trajectory trajectory of this side yes because all the problems we identified before the tournament i'm not convinced we saw enough within the tournament to suggest that we're going to be making any progress anytime soon in fact my wider concern is that the teams we beat in this tournament are going to pass us sooner rather than later my name is Marshall St. Patrick Coote, one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Thank you for listening as ever. If you'd like to follow the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, head to at Carib Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. Before you leave, like, share, subscribe to the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Help us on the road to 5K. And of course, if you'd like to support the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, head to www.patreon.com forward slash Carib Cricket. That's been another quick episode um, edition of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Thank you. And good night. Network.